Good morning, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. For over 60 years, East Central Illinois' daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join in on the phone, online, or via text. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts here on News Talk 1400 DWS. Glad you're with us. However, wherever you might be listening today, it is still cold out there, minus 6, but of course a little better than it was 24 hours ago both here and in up in Minneapolis after the Illini traveled up there and back, got in late to, well, I guess, early this morning. I think our plane landed about one fifteen. And uh, so quick turnaround uh, you, for those uh, student-athletes, uh, classes in session at the University of Illinois today on this last day of January, and we're back at it here on Penny for Your Thoughts. We have open line time today. I figured this might be a day after a uh, travel uh, like that to Minneapolis that we just have some open line time today so we can visit with you. 3569397 is our phone number. The uh, text line is available to you Castle Heating, Cooling and Air at uh, Heating and Cooling at uh, 3515357 and you can email us as always at talk at wdws.com. Uh, second hour today, we'll continue with the open line, but Jim Dye will sit in with me for hour number two. Tomorrow, we'll talk a little more open line, but also uh, have some things on the Super Bowl just to sprinkle in occasionally uh, during the course of tomorrow's show. And then Monday will be Monday morning quarterback back at it. Dan Holder is going to join us next week, talk about taxes as we enter the uh, tax season here full force. All the, uh, is it the W-2s that go out at the end of the month for everybody, so... Start seriously thinking about it. Unless you're an early bird, you like to get in on the uh, taxes in January. But most people start thinking about it at the end of the month. So we'll uh, talk about all of that uh, next week. But today we have some open line time. And uh, we will get it started here after this quick break and come back and uh, take your phone calls, emails, and text after this here on DWS. Stay tuned. Back on Penny for your thoughts here on this Thursday. We've reached the end of January. 3569397 is our phone number. Bitter cold early today. We'll get up to about 13. But I guess there's some more uh, snow showers on the way. Two to four inches by tonight or into tonight. So be careful out there. Line men's basketball loses last night up in Minneapolis. Led at the half. Had a five-point lead early in the second half. Gophers put together two big runs. They had five players in double figures, did the Gophers. They split the season series with Illinois. Line I have three home games in a row coming up starting on Saturday at 115 against a wounded Nebraska Cornhusker team. They lost one of their better players. Uh, Copeland got hurt the other night, tore his knee, and they've been struggling recently. So they come to town Saturday at 115. Line I women play tonight. Dave Lone and Mike Kuhn uh, usually on the call there with um, – Mr. Lone, so we'll have those uh, guys on the air tonight as Illinois women play at Ohio State. That's some of the uh, sports news here locally. And one other thing, I don't know if you heard some of this or not. I've had a lot of people uh, tell me they have uh, what they call an ice quake or a frost quake. Have you heard some loud cracking or booming noises outdoors? 
here the uh, last day or so, especially on uh, Tuesday evening. They call it, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, cryosism, a frost quake, cold temperatures plus earth tremor. Did you hear any of those on Tuesday night? Apparently a lot of uh, talk about it on Facebook and other places. So if you uh, heard that or saw some of that, let us know. And I guess the semis were having issues as well. Big story in the News Gazette today about the uh, diesel fuel, I guess, gelling. Too cold to haul, the headline says. So state troopers were scouring roads as the deep freeze gels diesel fuel and strand semi-drivers. Had a, a picture of a pickup truck on I-57 yesterday uh, near Champaign that had stalled out. Jim Dye will join me in hour number two. We'll continue with our open line conversation with him in that hour. But uh, we're just kind of visiting here today, kicking things around. Let's go to the uh, phones to Doug. Good morning, Doug. Hey, good morning, Brian. It's going to kind of work out good for you. I, we used to teach winter survival here at all EMT, police and fire, through Parkland, Carl, and U of I, and the Army. And I was asked to call in to give you guys some basic fundamentals on it. Oh, good. Okay. okay. First off, you, you mentioned the earthquake. What has happened, we've had all this rain and all the water gets into the soil and the earth, okay? And then what happened with that extreme water in there, when water starts to freeze, it expands. And with the, everything else, extremely cold temperatures, the extreme water that we had, levels that we had in the soil, what is happening is the soil is literally fracturing. So the water is expanding rapidly, which causes the water to fracture, and the earth to fracture. And when that does, it sends off a, a sound wave. Hmm. And so that's what's happening there. Uh, real simple, we've been around it, we've seen it for years when we were teaching winter operations for the Army and skiing and teaching up in the, you know, the northern really cold areas we saw it all the time uh, another thing one thing we've been talking about a lot in the wind chill factors everything and this is really crucial to understand wind chill is simply the rate of evaporative and convective cooling of the skin in the when it's exposed to cold air so if they say the you know the ambient temperature which is crucial the ambient temperature right now i think is around minus five or minus six minus seven and the wind chill say at that time is say minus 20. What that means is that the exposed skin will cool down to the ambient temperature rapidly. And what is happening is you've got evaporative cooling. This is a reason why you have to stay extremely hydrated with lots of fruit juices and a lot of tap water to keep it up because you cool off an evaporative cooling so rapidly, and then the skin gets into, obviously, get into hypothermia problems. You get into frostbite and everything else. But it's important to understand that the temperature does not go below the ambient temperature at all. It's only the rate of cooling on exposed skin. Hmm. Yeah, that's so, interesting. Yeah, it, that. And the other thing I noticed, Doug, was when we were up in Minneapolis, it was, I don't know, 24, 25 below up there, was that when you stepped off the plane or stepped outside, you immediately started coughing. Yeah, and what is this is a respiratory effect. What is happening, the rapid cooling and everything with the cold vapor gets in the body. Body's temperature is 98.6. And now you've got the air temperature, extremely low humidity, extremely low humidity, and this is evaporative cooling again. And therefore what is happening, your lungs and everything are drying out almost rapidly, and it just causes severe irritation in, in, the, in the what's called internal respiration, in the alveoli sacs and in the bronchial passageways. 
So you're just creating a problem. And this is a reason why we, you know, say wear a scarf over your mouth or something like that to protect yourself. The military, we actually had a wool mask that uh, protected everything. That way you get, you know, warmer air that's surrounding your mouth and your nose when you breathe it in. So, again, it's crucial, the same thing. The same thing with eyes. The eyes and everything at these extreme temperatures and extremely low, low humidity rates will dry out rapidly and get irritated. And then the other thing, today, we had the last few days, it's extremely cold, but we've got extremely bright, clear skies. And what you have to do is wear sunglasses or goggles to prevent eye damage from uh, in the solar insulation and the rays that are coming into the eye. So, again, this is a crucial thing. One thing that they've talked about a lot, and we've heard it on the thing, is saying three layers of clothing. And I think it's got kind of got confusing. The reason for wearing layered clothing is as you work hard, you remove a layer to prevent sweating and heating. One thing that we learned in the military with the cold weather training, and I taught it, and we're, I mean, we're up camp, out camping at 20 below ambient temperature and 40 and 50 below with wind chill with no problem at all. In the military, we have to do that, and we taught that all the time. Uh, we have to have under three layers of clothing. What you start out with is you have one layer, a basic layer, and that's long john, cotton or wool underwear, full sh- you know, sleeves and pants uh, and things and under, over your regular underwear. And then up and beyond that, you might take another layer of clothing. But each time you go another layer, it has to go up a size. Because you can't have any constriction or anything else. And then what happens is you're working outside. What you do is you take one layer off to prevent sweating. So once you get wet, then you're going to start getting cooling really fast. Uh, You know, in the summer months, you know, we go into the swimming pool and it's nice and hot out, right? And you get good and wet and you come out and the light wind blowing and you cool off and feel real good, right? Right. Well, in the cold weather, it gets extremely dangerous. Hmm. Because our body temperature is 98.6, and what happens is our body temperature starts to approach even down to 97 degrees internal temperature. Everything's going to start slowing down, so your mind processes start to slow, your thinking processes all fall apart, your respiratory falls apart, and you get into serious trouble. And then once your body temperature hits 95 degrees, we've got a medical emergency. Um, we used to teach this for years through Parkland and Carl and the U of I and then the Army of the second 130th. But, again, you know, all those days mm-hmm. have gone by, and I'm not sure there's anybody left. All the guys I know that were involved in it have all retired from, you know, you know, providing medicine and working on the ambulances. But it's really crucial to understand. Now, when you're wearing proper clothing, this is crucial, again, the same thing. If you're going to go out in the weather at all, and you have to be prepared, and especially if you're traveling, the number of rescues that the state police have made is staggering. Uh, I, myself, and all of us, we incredible a number of rescues over the years on 57, 74, 45, both north and south, uh, especially on down there by Willard and then what we call the old elevator up towards Thomasboro. And, uh, and then on the interstates, I mean, it just gets staggering because people get out there and get stranded. They don't have proper clothing, don't have proper anything. If you're going to go into a vehicle, what you should have is a sleeping bag, mm-hmm. not blankets, because blankets don't provide you much of anything. You want a sleeping bag because if you get cold, what you do is you climb inside the sleeping bag and you get heated up and everything else. But the same thing, you have to have dry clothing. Hmm. So if you're going to travel, ideal, get yourself a sleeping bag into your car, have one or two sets of dry clothing, especially socks and underwear and that, so you can change out. 
we're in proper clothing essential also the same thing what we recommend going back thing is a parka with the hood and the idea is to keep that cold air off of the back of the head in the back of the head and the bottom of the the brain and all everything functions at the medulla oblongata and once that gets cold that's at the base of your brain you're in deep doo-doo hmm. and so you have to prevent all that stuff so again uh, a parka with a hood and everything else proper long john underwear either blue jeans or flannel, you know, corduroy pants, not dress pants and everything. Hmm. The other thing we've seen all over, and it's terrified me, and I've treated casually so many times, and the chief EMT, the expert on this, called me the other night, uh, Rollo Doff, and he said, Doug, you got to call him and tell him what's going on, hmm. is shoes. We see everybody with regular street shoes or tennis shoes. That is a suicide I mean, you're just setting yourself up for a nightmare. And then the other thing that's been put out, well, put two pair of socks on. Well, if you're going to put two pair of socks on, your shoes have to be two sizes bigger. Hmm. Because you can't have any venous venous blood flow Mm -hmm. constriction going back to the heart. And any time you start seeing that, you're going to start getting to hypothermia and you get into frostbite and everything else. Now, what the body does and what happens with the cold weather and everything, if you don't maintain the core temperature and it starts dropping below 98.6, got down to 90, 98.43 or 2, what it does, it gives up the blood circulation to the fingers, the toes, the nose, and the ears in order to maintain the 98.6 in the thoracic cavity. Now, along with that, the same thing happens in the cold weather, and you're breathing in. Now, you're elderly, even the young ones, and especially all these kids that are coming back from Iraq right now that have uh, have hypocoagulation Mm -hmm. and severe threat for cardiac arrest Mm -hmm. or strokes. Mm -hmm. And so you've got all of this. So, again, proper clothing there, uh, a good pair of gloves and mittens, Wearing boots, I mean, one thing is you got to do when we all talk is, you know, a good pair of insulated snow boots. Yep. And uh, what the other thing, too, is re- recommend on the same thing, if you've got, uh, say, your dress clothes on and you're going anything, go and buy a pair of ski bibs. Hmm. You know, at Farmer Fleet, Rural King, or Dick, yeah. wherever, they've got them all, I think, at like $35. Hmm. And you can put those over your good clothes, and therefore you're going to keep warm and you can adjust your temperature what you need. Hmm. Uh, the last well, part, okay. the crucial part, is diet. And hmm. at these cold temperatures, and Rollo and the guys from the U of I and Food Science are really crucial on this, is you can't have any alcohol consumption at all. Shouldn't be any caffeine consumption. And people like to have a hot cup of coffee when all this stuff is happening, but it, it's you know totally bad news and nicotine. So any any foods or anything else you take in with alcohol, caffeine, and nicotine absolutely make you extremely more susceptible to cold weather problems. And uh-huh. uh, and then you know for emergency care and teaching, you know if you get cold and everything, obviously you come back in, give yourself a warm bath. The ideal thing, what we taught when we were doing this out in the cold weather in the military, is you know, we got our sleeping bag and we literally put two people into one sleeping bag to warm them up. And, uh, you, you know, you went down to your underwear because you don't want to have any wet clothes on at all when all this stuff is right, happening. Right, So, well, anyhow, that's... I was asked to call in and give you some fundamentals. I mean, the whole course we taught was like three hours long through Parkland and Carl and all that, but it's been years since we taught it again under the incredible, as we talked about, the incredible Paul Dollins. Yeah, well, that's uh, incredible information, Doug. I appreciate you passing it on.
Well, any time. The information, there's lots out there. Uh, Parkland had it in the library. It's, it's cold weather survival, and under, under U.S. Army stuff, it's called winter operations. Hmm. All right, very good. Thank you, Doug. You're welcome, Brian. Yep, appreciate it. Have a good day. 356-9397. Text us on the uh, Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 3515-357, and you can email us, talk at wdws.com. Mike from Champaign says to Stan and all of his uh, buddies, it uh, doesn't matter how much money you throw at Global Warning, Mother Nature is going to do what she wants. It's all cyclical. And, uh, Brian, did you get a chance to ask uh, somebody from Minneapolis uh, when that new court was put in we played on last night? Yeah, it was very, very bright. Uh, and actually, in person, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was bright, but it kind of uh, brightened the whole arena. So I can see why they did it. But I know on television, it's kind of hard to look at. The uh, floor in Minneapolis we're talking about at the barn where Illinois played last night. All right, we're at 925. Jim Dye joins me in hour number two. He's been writing about several things recently, including uh, the new governor and some of the things going on in the legislature. We'll get to uh, that with him and other topics. I'm sure he'll want to talk a little basketball as well and everything else and maybe those frost quakes that some of you may or may not have heard. I think it was on Tuesday night, booming noises outdoors. Doug talked about it some with the sudden cracking action in the frozen soil. Did you hear some of that? And uh, Medicare for All, that's been a big topic here the last couple of days. Uh, Kamala Harris, Democratic senator from California, had a town hall out in Iowa, I think, that CNN carried. And uh, that's caused a little bit of a stir. We'll talk about that and more. Open line time, if there's something else you want to bring up, as Doug did there, you can certainly do that. And we'll have Jim Dye join us in the second hour. Get ready for the Super Bowl tomorrow. Back after this on Penny. Penny, for your thoughts, rolling on here on this Thursday, the last day of January. Open line time here today, just visiting with you. Uh, how are you doing out there in the cold? Did you hear any of the frostquake activity the other night? Had the Illini game last night. Illini women play tonight. I see J.B. Pritzker, five picks, it says, for the Board of Trustees, the University of Illinois. And one of those is uh, well-known state representative Naomi Jacobson, former representative. One of uh, five picks by the new governor, J.B. Pritzker. Jackson, uh, Jacobson joining Republican Stuart King, a Christie Clinic physician and representing Champaign County on the uh, University of Illinois Board of Trustees. The uh, terms for three trustees expire January 20th. Uh, former board chair Tim Quartz, a Re Rockford Republican who had served since 2009. Chicago attorney James Montgomery, a Democrat and trustee since 07. And former U.S. Attorney Pat Fitzgerald, an independent appointed in 2013. So that's some of the news from the University of Illinois. You can read about that online and in the News Gazette today. 3569397 is our phone number. You can text us. Castle Heating and Cooling text line 351 uh, I got a text in. says, thanks, Doug, for the useful cold weather info. I wish they would teach this in high school, but... Common Core won't allow it. But he wanted to thank Doug for all the information on the cold weather. That was the biggest thing, was stepping outside that I noticed. And I I can't remember. It's been 40 years since that I've ex been in and around that kind of cold. And we didn't spend hardly any time outside yesterday in Minneapolis. I mean, it was from the hotel to the bus, the bus to the arena, step outside, go in the arena. I tried to limit. But even that short distance, I mean, it was, I started coughing immediately. 
It was a cold air. It was like uh, somebody just punched in the chest. So that was uh, very, very cold and going to warm up a little bit. We're going to get some snow. That's kind of the trade-off. But it's going to be 56 by Monday with some rain. <laughs> so that's going to change things up. All right, uh, speaking of changing things up, Michael Kaiser's here. We'll do some news, and then we'll come back with more open line time. Jim Dye joins me in the second hour today on this last day of January. Back after this on Penny for Your Thoughts, here's Michael with the news. A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart continues on News Talk 1400 WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. All right, we're back. Penny for your thoughts. News Talk 1400 DWS. I saw where Kendrick Nunn playing for the Santa Cruz Warriors. Of course, affiliated with the Golden State Warriors. He's been working out with the Warriors and playing some in the summer leagues. He's with the Santa Cruz Warriors. He had his third 30-point game this season off the bench yesterday. Former Illini Kendrick Nunn. Three five six nine three nine seven is our phone number. Text line. You can join us. Three five one five three five seven. And email us. Talk at wdws.com. Talk a little bit about the Super Bowl tomorrow. Got some interesting uh, facts and numbers on that we'll get into as they get ready for the big ball game in Atlanta. A lot of women play tonight. Of course, lots of gymnastics and tennis and other activities here at the University of Illinois in the weeks ahead as we work our way into the month of February. Still very cold out there, minus 4 degrees here in downtown Champaign. All right, uh, I was reading an article, uh, and this is interesting to me. There are two big issues, I think, that will be coming up in 2020. And, of course, the presidential candidates on the Democratic side are jumping into the race to uh, face each other for the right to uh, take on the president coming up here in a couple of years. And, well, they'll start debating in June, so get ready. But already uh, Senator Kamala Harris of California says Harris and progressives are pitching Medicare for all, and the headline says they could give us four more years of Trump. Monday, Harris sat down for a CNN town hall discussion. Will she or won't she? Is Senator Harris really going to run on Medicare for all the hard way, not as a buy-in for people who want to, but as a ban on private insurance? Washington wonks are scrambling to make sense of it all, scrutinizing each development. It may seem odd that so much attention was paid to a drab little controversy. Those, these are the bureaucratic details of a preliminary campaign plank from a Democratic presidential contender with only middling name recognition. But Washington wasn't trying to divine the fate of Harris exactly. It's trying to figure out where the Democratic Party is headed and whether it's going to take the rest of the country with it. This is uh, an article I found in the Washington Post. Medicare for all is one of those policies that sounds reasonably good and polls reasonably well until you get into those bureaucratic details. A recent poll from the Kaiser Family Foundation indicates that only 37% of Americans would support Medicare for all if it meant getting rid of private insurers or paying higher taxes. Support drops even further if it would in any way threaten the current Medicare program or lead to longer medical wait times. If Harris settles on the proposal to nationalize the whole health care insurance system, there'll be plenty of time to debate whether this means longer waits or changes to Medicare. And it says, spoiler alert, yes to both. 
But it does seem clear she was talking about ending current private insurance. With a roughly $3 trillion annual price tag, any government replacement would necessarily entail much higher taxes on everyone. Of course, single-payer advocates argued that the new taxes would merely replace current premiums, and in the long run, taxpayers would clearly understand. Single-payer means immediate loss of their current insurance and higher taxes, while the savings are uncertain at best and would take years to materialize. Those, um, that's why the moment during the CNN town hall with Harris was so important. Medicare for all, obviously, is catnip to the progressive base and just as obviously deadly nightshade to the suburbanites whom Trump has driven out of the Republican Party, you know, the ones who propelled Democrats to control of the House by big margins in November. Those suburbanites, this article says, may be unhappy with the U.S. health care system, but they're paradoxically mostly quite happy with their insurance. Three-quarters of those making more than $75,000 a year rate their own coverage as excellent or good. A high-stakes bet for a political party to make, the article says. Nonetheless, Democratic politicians such as Harris seem to be messing up their courage to take the plunge. The question is, which way Democratic primary voters will bet? Will they vote on... Uh, bet on some boring centrists who will never even try to deliver the radical change many of them crave, or on the fire-breathing progressives who might accidentally deliver them another four years of Donald Trump. Anyway, that's the uh, article in the Washington Post. You can check it out, WashingtonPost.com, opinions piece. But uh, that's that's the one big issue in my mind. And then the other one is this whole issue with immigration. You know, uh, Okay, if you don't want a wall, do you want border security? What kind of border security? You can, I mean, you, and I'm just observing all of this. I'm just watching it all unfold politically and watching the politicians try to figure out which way to go. And the party for the Democratic side as a whole, which way do they want to go on this to set up their best chance to beat the president in 2020? I don't know. It's just fascinating to watch if you're into that uh, sort of thing. And if you don't care about politics, probably... It's just more politics, but it is, um, I try to watch the trends, the way the politicians go, the, the things they talk about, the way they phrase things. Um, I don't know, I'm probably into it too much, but I, I do pay attention to a lot of that to see uh, which way they're headed. It's like uh, during the course of a race, we've talked about this during primaries or during presidential elections, you can tell what they're concerned about by the states they go to or the money they put into certain areas, or the way they verbalize certain issues, you can kind of tell which way they're headed or what they're thinking about, or they're testing the water to see if they've got enough support to go that direction. If they don't, they back away from it. So it's all the minutia of the whole thing. Uh, let's go to John. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning, bud. <clears throat> I, you know, I, I think we're thinking, we need to think about the young and the old. Now, this is just my opinion. You know, in this country alone, once you reach a certain age, like 65 or whatever it takes, 67, I do believe the government should pick up, you know, your health care and your dental because you've donated yourself to this country. You may have served time in the military. You've worked hard. You took care of your family. You paid taxes. Now they'll do something to give back. But a lot of the younger people, now there's an existing problem with health. Yeah, I think, you know, you should get health care. But if not, the working class that's coming up towards the baby boomers, they can pay insurance. That's just me. I think as a senior citizen, 
the government should be able to help you out. Well, that's kind of what's going on now, isn't it? I mean, that's Medicare, yeah, Medicaid, and know, so forth. Because if you, you get, you know, you go with this health care for everybody, I think you could sort of make up the country. I think you really could in the medical field. And I have no idea what they're thinking about having an abortion in the third trimester. Come on, that's just like murder. Come on. we got to get away from this. Yeah, I had the big, uh, what, the big ceremony in New York, and the, the, the governor there and the celebration there, and... Yeah, that's that's been a pretty hot issue too nationally. That, that is, that's that's really weird. I think we're getting a little bit like Oscar Wilde or something. On the third trimester, no, 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 that's murder. All right, hey John, thank you. Take care. Appreciate it. Three five six nine three nine seven. Okay, got some reaction to all of this. Medicare for all. Have you paid attention to Venezuela lately? Are you crazy? What are you pushing? Really? I don't know if they're talking about me or Kamala Harris. Uh, who is offering Medicare for all? Hitler? Question mark. And did you say the just say the Democrats are a very divided party? Well, I will say this, and this is just my opinion as someone who watches it pretty close. You had the um, in the last in 2016, you had Hillary Clinton considered more of a. I'm talking by the Democratic Party, a little more of the um, centrist moderate left candidate, and then you had Bernie Sanders to the far left, who was running basically as from the Socialist Party. I mean, that's or independent, socialist, whatever. But Bernie was kind of too far out there for the Democratic electorate. And, of course, Clinton was the, the candidate that it was her turn and everything else. Now, the party as a whole, you've got more of the Kamala Harris's, and you've got more of the Cortez's, and you've got... Not that they've taken over the party yet, but the direction is kind of headed that way. Just my observation. You can agree or disagree with that. I'm just telling you as I watch this stuff, this is what you, what I see. That's my going to be interest over the next couple of years is how do they position? How do you verbalize? How do you put on paper what is your, as a presidential candidate on the Democratic side? Okay, I don't want a wall because I don't think a wall is what we need. But I can't really say I want open borders because we're not there yet. The electorate isn't red, doesn't want that. And that was a big issue that got Trump elected, was the concern about the southern border. So how do I, how do I phrase it in a way that is good enough to satisfy the progressive voters that I need to win in the primary, but not get into the general election and get clobbered? That's what I'm talking about. 356-9397 is our phone number. All right, let's see here. Let's see what people think. Uh, back to the phones to Paul. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Brian. How are you doing? Good. Well? How are you? Excellent. I was reading Sunday's News Gazette article about 50 years ago, historical things that happened in, like, 69. Yeah. And one of the first things they had was about a, a cub picture of him, Jim, Jim Colborne, uh, the Cubs folding. Well, there were a couple of historical things. I'm going to try to pull, pull these things together. I was stationed in the service back there. New Jersey back then. And the thing that changed baseball in that year was Mets came up with a guy by the name of Tug McGraw. He was the first ever really strong closer. So that's why the Mets won. They, he, 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 his first closer actually came in and shut games down. Mm-hmm. I know he knew that. And then the other one was I got out of service on July 20th, 1969. If you think, well, the most historical thing that happened then was. And Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. Well, actually, the day I got out of the service, I 
got discharged. Is I, that yeah, right? The, ver- the the very same day. Yeah, I I remember that. I actually got got out that Friday, but the technical day because they don't do paperwork on fr- Saturdays and Sundays. But I got drafted July twentieth, twenty first, nineteen sixty seven. My last day was nineteen sixty nine, July twentieth. I can remember that because like I'm in a run party, I could see everybody's watching TV, and watching Neil Armstrong walk on the moon. So hmm. that people. Don't realize that. And I, I told Jim Turbin that like 40 years ago, 10 years ago. I said, "No, the most important thing is I got out of the service." <laughs> well, we had a we I had a poster. I, I had a bedroom upstairs in our old house west of Tolono, and there was a poster with uh, the date of July 20, 1969, on a poster with uh, right. you know a man on the moon. And I passed that every day of my life growing up. It, the poster was up there for years, and I, that date is in my head because I saw it every day. So, yeah. but you remember for different. You, you remember you remember for different reasons. So good, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, a lot of people don't realize. I ask them, you you know, actually, what the most historical thing that happened on July twentieth, nineteen sixty nine. What is that? So, oh, it was actually Neil, Neil Armstrong. Yes, right. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. But I get him. I said, No, I got the service. <laughs> <laughs> well, very good, Paul. Hey, that's good. Thank you. Like I said, that that, that was interesting about the different people. The article about. Yeah, different things happened in '69, but they blame Leo DeRocher for Cubs folding. But the Mets were just a better team; they had better pitching, they had better defense. So, yeah, that's just yeah, the way and that that black that darn black cat had something to do with it too. I think. Oh, I don't yeah. know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm right. stationed in New Jersey. I, I could see the Mets games all the time, and they, yeah. that's uh, Tim McGraw's father, Doug McGraw. Yep, yep. I mean, Doug I mean, McGraw. He came in, yeah, and well, the game was over. What was the phrase? You got to believe, right? Right. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Hey, thanks, Paul. Right. Appreciate appreciate it. Three five six nine three nine seven. Kathy's with us. Hi, Kathy. Good morning. Hello. I just wanted to report that we did hear the noise yesterday morning. Uh it was in the morning that we heard it in southeast Urbana. And uh it, it was quite a loud noise and it was uh it sounded like something was running into the house. Hmm. And um also, uh, it was, you know, kind of a boom uh, sound also, hmm. but uh, we, we didn't know what it was, but we didn't find anything, you know, like anything falling off our house or anything like wow. that. Wow. Did it, did it last a long time, or was it just sudden? No, it was. It just occurred, and then it was over, huh. Huh. and, and uh, it it. it Made a noise, maybe two or three. My husband said he heard it. But it was two or three times. Uh, uh, he was in a different part of the house, so it sounded different to hmm. him, I guess. That it well, I, a lot of people but, I know told me or heard, told my wife and our neighbors were like, "Hey, we heard it. It was pretty loud." Yeah. Well, this was yesterday morning. Mm-hmm. Other people reported it in the evening, hmm. um, but uh, about um, nine or ten o'clock, you know. Um, well, thank you, Kathy. I appreciate your input on that. You're welcome. Very good. Have a great day. Yeah. So she heard the um, the frost quake. Just a very loud crack, I guess. Uh, three five six nine three nine seven to the phones we go to Ben. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Brian. How are you today? Hey, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Glad you all uh, made it safe back from Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, it. Was a late night, but we made it back. Absolutely. Hey, I was calling in. Um, there was a caller who who um, referenced uh, late term abortion uh, as murder, and I just wanted to push back on that and say that it's um, 
it's when a woman uh, gets a, a third term abor- a third trimester abortion, it's not murder. Uh, it's an act of love. And I, I say that as someone who is um, expecting my first child in about five weeks. And, and so far, knock on wood, she's, she's healthy and we're expecting a, a, a healthy daughter um, in early March. Um, but the reason I call it an act of love is, is this. Uh, first of all, when you look at, um, at when women get abortions, second and third term, second and third trimester abortions in this country make up about 1% of all the abortions that take place. Um, when people ask women about why they're getting these abortions, it is almost uniformly because the fetus is non-viable or because the mother's life is at risk. Nobody is getting an abortion at 38 weeks because they changed their mind and they're using it as, as birth control. No, nobody's doing that. They're doing it because either the fetus is not going to live or is going to live for a matter of hours you know, in, in excruciating pain before dying, or that the mother is going to die um, before she can deliver safely. Um, there's an article I'd encourage everybody to read, whatever side of the abortion issue you're on. Uh, it, was, it was written by Gia Tolentino. Uh, she was with Jezebel at the time. And the, the article is called Interview with a Woman Who Recently Had an Abortion at 32 Weeks. Um, this is a, a very honest and, and heart-wrenching interview with a woman who was very excited to be pregnant after having a miscarriage um, a few years before. Um, at 31 weeks, she had found out that the baby boy she was carrying and expecting wouldn't be able to breathe outside of the womb and would not survive. And so at 32 weeks, she went forward with an abortion proceeding. Um, and she didn't do that because she's a murderer. She didn't do that because she's a bad person. She did it out of, out of love for the baby that she was expecting, who, who she knew that if she brought into this world would I and a horribly excruciating, painful death hmm. within a matter of minutes. So, so I say that as someone who, as I mentioned, is an expectant father and, and is looking forward to delivering a healthy girl in five weeks, but as someone who also appreciates the fact that, and, and, and wants to fight for the fact that if I found out at our next sonogram, which is in a couple weeks, that my daughter was, was non-viable or that she was going to be born and not be able to breathe, and I'd have to watch her struggle and choke and die, or if my wife was going to die, I absolutely would take the choice to, to, to get an abortion. My wife would as well, and it's not because we're murderers. It's because of love, and I think that's important to say. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Ben, for calling in. Did you happen to see what the, uh, the gov- I think the governor of Virginia was on an interview um, did you? I don't know if you did. You see anything about that? Yes, yeah. I, I did actually, and that's that's what prompted me to go, you know, uh, reread this this interview um, with the woman. Um, so what that's actually about, and there's there's been a lot of a lot of confusion about that. But there's a basically there's a there's a bill in the Virginia uh, State House, I believe, um, that would um, ease some restrictions, some existing restrictions on third term abortions. It would not, as the um, as Ronna Romney McDaniel tweeted out, allow for um, for partial birth abortion. What it would do would things would be things like this: when a doctor determines that there is a medical necessity for a woman to have an abortion in the third trimester, this would, for instance, reduce the number of doctors who need to sign off on her paperwork from three doctors to one doctor. Um, it would allow second-term abortions to be performed outside of licensed hospitals in facilities like clinics. 
which is a perfectly safe thing to do. Many states allow that. Um, it would it would not allow infanticide. Uh, it would not allow, as I said, partial term abortion. It did not an anything goes rule. It requires um, that a patient still signs off on the medical necessity of third trimester abortion. The governor's interview I watched it was kind of fumbling because it's not it's not his bill. Uh, it's a bill that 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 a, a state lawmaker introduced. Um, you know, perhaps he should have been prepped more on it. Um, but there is a lot of a lot of outrage being ginned up, and, and I realize some of that outrage is is just based in sort of an opposition to all abortion. But a, but a lot of the outrage I think is stemming from a lot of the, the a false narrative that's being uh, spun up about what that bill would actually allow. So I, I encourage people um, to actually actually look at what that bill would allow. Um, it is just a loosening of some restrictions on medically necessary third trimester abortions. Okay. Hey, Ben. Hey, thanks for your call. I appreciate it. Thank you. Very good. Three five six nine three nine seven. Back to the phones here. I'm guessing we might get a response to that. Hey, Jim. Good morning. Yes. Uh, I was wondering uh, who died and made this guy such a uh, you know authority on abortion. I got a couple new uh, words for him. This abortion is leading into euthanasia, and when he gets to be old and unviable, they're going to give him a needle. And uh, I wonder how he feels about that. Who's who makes the deal that this kid is unviable? Only the one up above us, which is God. He is the one that tells. When we die, or when we live, not a human being. And I want to know, I just want somebody to tell me and give me an example of a woman, if she was to give birth, is going to die. I have never heard of that. I have never heard that a woman's going to die because so she has to have an abortion. That is a fallacy that these... Uh, guys like you, you just talked to, and I don't know how many us, us, us that he made there because he cannot speak the truth. And I'm, that's the way it is. We lost two babies at six months, and I defy him to tell me that they're not a human being. We got pictures of these little babies laying in the casket at six six months. And this is what they're... they're uh, they're murdering. Let's let, I mean, if you stop the heartbeat on your own, that is killing. It's against the, I mean, don't we have any morals anymore? The Fifth Commandment says thou shalt not kill, and that's exactly what we're doing. And we're going to pay a hell of a price for this. Uh, and look what happened to Germany. Yeah. They killed six million Jews, and I don't want to make light of that. And look what happened to Germany. We have now approached 61 million babies that we have aborted since Roe versus Wade. And there's no way that God's going to shine a good light on us on in America. You see what's happening. Everybody's against one another, and you can't. You can't run a ship like that, Brian. There's no way. And if anybody's got it. Uh, any kind of a IQ, at least two points above plant life, they ought to know that. That is murder, and I don't give a damn what anybody says. That's exactly what it is. All right. Okay, that's thank, it. Thank you, Jim. 
Appreciate it. 9.59. I've got one caller waiting, but I only got about 20 seconds. So, Cindy, if you want to call me back, you can. Uh, Certainly can do that. Uh, The uh, question mark on the text says, Love, I don't think that word means what he thinks it means. Uh, Text says, So abortion isn't a painful death for the baby. That's news to me. If seniors are going to die, should we kill them out of love? That's the text on the text line. All right. Um, We've got the news coming up here in about 10 seconds. And if you want to call back on this, you can. Jim Dye will join me in the discussion next on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com. Or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. We're on Penny for Your Thoughts, News Talk 1400 DWS. As we work our way through this Thursday, the last day of January, just back from the uh, game up at Minnesota, we're here today. We've been at some open line conversation. We've talked about everything from the frost quakes to abortion. Like how about much that? Covers the for, landscape, how, doesn't how about it? That for a day and Medicare for all. That was the other one. Yeah, there you go. So anyway, good to see you. How are you? Well, I'm okay. Have you I, thought out? I, you know, I've actually <laughs> been inside most of the time, so I haven't really had to thaw uh, on those rare occasions when I have gone outside. It was with my dog, and and she's been a little more concerned about the weather than I am. I have been, but uh, it, it's I'm doing okay. Well, a uh, lot to talk about. We've hit on all the, uh, of course, the cold. Did you hear any of the snow quakes? I the, don't know the, what the cracking. Talking. Well, I guess the loud. Uh, what was it? The water freezing underground, and then some loud booms. That sounds like somebody maybe hit your house. I have not heard those. Yeah, and I'm glad uh, to say I have not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a big picture in the. Uh, it says booms in the night. Frost quakes the likely ca- cause. Deborah Pressey did an article on that. I'm going to read that. I haven't had a chance to yeah. read the paper yet this morning. So. But. And we have uh, a lot of abortion talk at the end of the show. We had several calls on this. The Virginia governor was on a station, I think, in Washington, D.C., WTOP. I think he really kind of uh, put his foot in his mouth, didn't he? Talking about late-term abortions. And even and, uh, even post-birth abortion. My Lord. Yeah. That uh, got a lot of reaction. I and, would think um, so. Anyway, had some callers on that back and forth. Uh, one of those, some of those left over, it says, uh, text Ben, who called in strong support of Third-term abortion is falsifying his facts about birth defects to further the uh, left's agenda of murder. New York applauded law passed that allows killing viable babies up to birth after the abortion fails. It says Illinois will try this next. So that's what uh, some of that had to do. And about the abortion debate, I believe that God is the one who determines that life, a baby or an elderly person, etc., is viable or important. Having a choice as to what baby to keep or kill hits too close to Hitler and the Holocaust. Also, I don't know a mother who would sacrifice their child for their own life. That's the love of self, not love of that child. So, anyway. Well, when you're talk, you're t- discussing these kinds of things, I mean, you are in the depths of emotional debate. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the zealots on both sides, uh, I mean, they're never, gonna, they're never going to uh, find a common ground. And that's, of course, is the problem uh, that that crops up when you have the Supreme Court, which it did in Roe v. Wade in the early 70s, say this is the way it's going to be for the nation, and it kind of denies the 
democratic institutions of the country the opportunity to find something that people in the middle can agree on. I mean, the people on the fringes will never agree, but uh, anyhow, that's a debate that's been denied because of the court's action, and and uh, so we we can we continue to have this debate because the court has made it inevitable with its all one all one and none of the others ruling. The uh, governor of Virginia's Democratic governor Ralph Northam, and some of the reaction uh, to all that. Marco Rubio uh, took to Twitter right afterwards, writing, "He never thought I would see the day that America had government officials who openly support legal infanticide." Uh, later yesterday, President Trump uh, weighed in on Northam's comments in an interview with the Daily Caller. Uh, I'm surprised that he did that. I've met him a number of times, Trump said, of the uh, governor's comments. This is going to lift the whole pro-life movement like it's never been lifted up before. And uh, he says, I think this will very much lift up the issue because people have never thought of it in those terms. That's from the president. So anyway, that was the uh, big issue at the end of the first hour. I think it's a good thing that Mr. Northrup said that. After the election that he won instead of before. 356-9397 is how you can text us, you can, uh, or call us, you can text us, 3515-357, or email us, talk at WDWS.com. Medicare for all, Kamala Harris. Got well, into that a little bit the other day on CNN. I mean, I, let's fine, let's have a discussion about Medicare for all. Let's talk about how would it be implemented, uh, you know, what people that have private insurance would lose it, and what would it cost, and how much would people have to pay to support it i mean it's everything i read about it suggests it's absolutely unaffordable so well, i said during the first hour i think the democratic party as they head for the primaries here next year with their candidates are trying to figure out how to approach this well you, and you right know, now it, the position is who can uh, who can find the most things to offer for free i mean medicare for all well at what price i mean it, it, it won't be free and they'll have to take taxes to pay for it and people like people on Medicare now would have to pay a fee for it, and how high is that fee going to be, and what are you going to get for it? Uh, I think it's a good way to arrange for what we're seeing more and more of right now, which is the rationing of medical care, and people won't like that at all. And you could see as uh, Senator <coughs> Harris started getting questions about what she said, because it seemed to indicate that it would, her idea would be that the, the private health insurance would go away, and then she kind of walked that back a little bit, well, and she doesn't know what she, the walk back, and she so. doesn't know what she's talking about now. I mean, she's just basically spouting what what amount to Democratic Party cliches, and that have generally been accepted without any kind of questioning. And now that she's thrown herself into this campaign, uh, people are taking her more seriously, and they're saying, "Well, what exactly are you talking about?" And she's having a hard time explaining what she's talking about. And then in the end, she starts falling all over herself rhetorically, and then she has to start walking things back. So, but we'll see, because I think the Democrats really are committed to something along those lines, and that might be a good campaign issue in uh, 2020. And I thought the other big issue in 2020 is going to be immigration. What to do about the illegal immigration? Do you? Uh, and, and right now we've seen the crux of it with the the shutdown that was then finally ended. You know, we don't want to. The Democrats don't want to give Trump a wall, but are they for border security of some sort? What does that look like, and what, as you position yourself to run as a Democratic presidential candidate in 2020, what phrases do you use that allow you to get votes but not lose your base? There'll be a lot of poll testing of rhetoric and focus groups, and everybody will be trying to be determining what to, what exactly to say that will please the most people and displease the fewest people. And 
it's that's a pretty hot much politics, isn't it? <laughs> that is, except on this on the issues like this, which yeah. are are really emotional. It's going to be extraordinarily important for candidates to seem to offer something of substance without actually saying anything of substance and therefore trying to appeal to both sides, I guess. Well, that's the one thing somebody pointed out about if you're going to jump in a presidential race this early, then you're going to get shot at for the next couple of years. Well, you know, they're leading with their chins, and, and uh, that's what happens when you lead with your chin. All right, three five six nine three nine seven. You can text us, Castle Heating and Cooling text line. Uh, we get a text that says you get the best doctors by paying them well. Government will pay all the same and not enough to attract the best. Capitalism is the only system ever to take people out of poverty. All others end up with the rich and the poor. I'm beyond words also how New York's enacted and Virginia's proposed abortion laws sicken me. They are barbaric. That is a text. Yeah, you know, uh, back to Kamala Harris. I mean, the, the one saving grace she has, that it is so early, uh, and people are not really focusing. Some some political junkies are focusing on it, but most people aren't paying a lot of attention. So she has time to she has time to uh, shape her rhetoric in a way that uh, maybe go down a little bit smoother. And Jim Dye mentioned that people in the middle want on abortion policy. Just a reminder that safe and legal abortion is supported by a majority of the country. There's your middle ground. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> I, I mean, I think people, you know, how safe and how legal and, and how many months. Uh, I mean, I think generally the public has indicated that it is supportive of uh, legalized abortion. Uh, the question is, okay, so does that mean your 16-year-old daughter uh, can, can run off to get an, ab- get an abortion without any kind of parental notification? I mean, if kids have to get their parents' permission to have their ears pierced, should they have to have their parents' with them if they're going to get an abortion. I mean, there are all kinds of issues around the fringe involving regulations or restrictions on abortion that uh, the, 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 that uh, emailer was not referencing there, and, and there's a lot of mixed feelings about and what, it. When Barack Obama was in the state Senate, wasn't there a bill they kept bringing up that he voted for that had to do with late-term abortions back in the Illinois House? Or, um, I thought he got a lot of grief for abstaining on on or voting present, but you know I just don't recall. I don't recall that is uh, so long ago. <laughs> uh, you know he's a lot of water under the bridge since then. That's right. You know I that is just the one irreconcilable issue is a, a, a abortion. Should it be all one way or all the other way? And I I think most people don't think it should be all one way or all the other and the question is what's the middle ground and the the other big question is in light of the court decisions uh you know what what restrictions can actually be put on abortion so now we actually have the question of the baby being born and and then they're going to then the doctor is going to say and along with the mother well should we kill it or do you want to take it home i mean and i understand the question about children with disabilities but we're also talking about not all Late-term abortion ha- has to do with children with disabilities. I think where most people are, a lot of people are uncomfortable with it is, you know, you start to play God. Who determines, you know, are we the ones who determine, well, this isn't viable or that isn't viable or whatever, and that's, well, and they, the science, they say it's, an, it's a personal emotional issue. And sure, then, and, and the science is pretty clear now that, you know, you actually have a viable uh, fetus at a, at a uh, or unborn child, take your choice, uh, at an earlier and earlier stage, and are you really snuffing out a life? And the more it looks like a baby, the more squeamish people get about doing that sort of thing, and the more squeamish they ought to get about that sort of thing. 
All right, uh, let's take a break. We are here with uh, Jim Dye. We're just taking open-line conversations. Uh, abortion came up big at the end of the first hour. Immigration, of course, has been out there for months. And uh, the Medicare for All that uh, Senator Kamala Harris mentioned. For something else you want to bring up, we can certainly do that. Just some open-line time with our friend Jim Dye from the News Gazette. And also, was Michael Madigan caught on tape saying <laughs> something he should or shouldn't have said? We'll see after this. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by, making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-770-6595. 800-770-6595. That's 800-770-6595. Warning, don't let your business get left behind in what is likely to be the biggest economic boom in recent history. If you need to build for your business to grow, call General Steel today for a pre-engineered steel building designed for your needs. No wasted space. Steel prices are expected to rise, but you can still lock in your price on a General Steel building. And you can still save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. As much as half. But you must call now. If you need a church building, office, warehouse, manufacturing space, retail space, or more. Call General Steel today. You can still get the General's 50-year structural warranty and General Steel quality, all at a price you can afford. So don't let rising steel prices put your project out of reach and stop you from making your company great. 800-870-1603. 800-870-1603. That's 800-870-1603. has the best, the greatest steak in town. The sound of sizzling steaks is synonymous with the ribeye. Over 40 years, the great one steak place on South Neal in Champaign. After you tackle the great salad bar, the sizzling ribeye arrives at your table cooked to your liking. Voted People's Choice for Best Steak and Overall Restaurant East Central Illinois, 1701 South Neal Street, Champaign. The ribeye is the best, we're the one, the great one steak place. At Ameren, Illinois, safety comes first. So before you start that landscaping project or install that new fence, call 811 to have underground gas lines and other utilities clearly marked because no outdoor project is worth getting hurt over. We're here to help get the job done safely so you can get back to enjoying your great outdoors. Ameren, Illinois, energy at work. It's a Twin City rivalry on Friday night. Join us for high school basketball, Urbana at Central at 7.30 here on DWS and WDWS.com. All right, we're back on Penny for Your Thoughts. News Talk 1400 DWS as we're uh, here today on Penny for Your Thoughts. Jim Dye is uh, 
with us today, with us every uh, two to three weeks, and uh, just taking your phone calls on a variety of topics or texts. Says Jim expressed a concern about rationing of medical care if we move to universal health care, uh, or if we move to med- uh, universal health care. Don't we already have rationing of medical care through private insurance? Maybe News Gazette offers an unlimited health care plan, but most Americans on private insurance have corporate executives determining what care they can get at what cost. That's an email. Well, uh, medical care is to some degree rationed because it's it's rationed by in this way. You say, I'd like to make an appointment for my physical, and they say, fine, uh, we'll get you in in three months. Okay, now that's rationing of medical care in a way because you can't get to your doctor for a while whether you have a serious problem or maybe you have something that's a little more serious. So I mean, I think that the that the uh, caller makes a point that, that that makes a good point that it is to some degree uh, rationed already. But to the extent that you try to what make it available on a broad basis, like through Medicare for all, at the same time you're going to try to lower the cost of the program by paying the doctors less and the hospitals less then that's going to exacerbate the problem of uh, of rationing that we already have. Uh, let me just make one point about the uh, insurance. We do definitely have a problem in terms of getting proper care for uninsured people. And I think if we focused on that single issue alone, we would do a lot better than if we tried to put everybody under one big blanket and say, this is for you. I mean, this is a... Sp- you know, in some cases, people with pre-existing conditions—that's that's a special population uh, that probably that needs to have their issues addressed. Because if you can't get medical care and you need it, that is a serious problem. And so, if government exists to solve problems, that's one that could be solved. However, I, have, <clears throat> as an employee of the News Gazette, I have insurance, <clears throat> so I'm not a problem that needs to be addressed. So why don't we address the people with the real problem and not and leave those out of it? Who don't have that problem? Three, five, six. And it would certainly be costly, but this idea that everybody's going to be put under one umbrella doesn't seem to be working very well. You think it? Um, when people hear the term socialized medicine, that they hear one thing. Well, they but hear when, the government's going to be in charge. But when you hear Medicare for all, pe- Medicare is already out there. People are familiar with it. Well, maybe the, it doesn't sound as scary. Well, that, to, that, that's is right. that the idea? And you know, this is such an immensely complicated and costly problem i mean is there anybody really in the world that understands it completely i mean you know hillary when she came up with her plan uh 30 years ago hillary care that went down in flames i mean i think that was a real kind of a hubris on the part of a bunch of government bureaucrats to think that they could design a system that's going to anticipate every contingency and address it in a thoughtful way i mean this is a big big problem and to the extent you try to address it in big big ways i think the chances of failure are that much greater I think the uh, a plank in platforms in some candidates, uh, presidential candidates, goes back several decades. Well, we're talking when it comes about to national, uh, we're talking. I'm talking a hundred years ago. Yeah, well, Harry Truman was. Impre- well, FDR wanted to have medical coverage for all, so uh, and a government program to run it. Well, okay, but you know, what? so these are not new ideas, actually, and it, the the and the goal actually is 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 uh, praiseworthy. I mean, every. It would be great if everybody had access to quality health care, and not everybody does, and that is an issue. Three five six nine three nine seven is how you can join us. Text line open, three five one five three five seven. 
We'll talk about Mike Madigan, the state of Illinois, the new governor, J.B. Pritzker, with some board of trustees appointees. One's a uh, familiar name here to this Well, Naomi area. Jacobson, I yeah. just saw that the paper this morning. I think Naomi will be a, a fine trustee. She's yeah. a good person and uh, has a lot of experience. And I Well, she knows the area, that's for sure. I mean, she does. She'd be a representative and, from and this area. She's kind of a product of the University of Illinois. Her husband was, in, you know, he's an emeritus professor, and so it's certainly not going to be anything new for her. Okay, here's Michael Kaiser with the news, and then back with Jim Dye. More open line conversation. Get you ready for the Super Bowl a little bit tomorrow. More open line time as well. And uh, next week we'll talk some taxes with Dan Holder. Back uh, with more after the news. A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart continues on News Talk 1400 WDWS. All right, we're visiting with Jim Dye this morning. Penny for your thoughts. Uh, News Talk 1400 DWS, some open line time today. Uh, of course, got back from the Minnesota game late last night. Minnesota with the win uh, over the men. The Illini women play tonight. Uh, of course, baseball's not far off. You're ready for that, right? I'm ready for baseball because baseball means the weather's warmer. <laughs> and I do like to listen to baseball on the radio. Yes, yes. And uh, speaking of listening in, uh, just give me the quick thumbnail. What was the story? I was out of town, but with Mike Madigan and... Well, he, you know, I mean, those who have been paying up. attention know that the FBI a couple of weeks ago charged a very prominent Chicago alderman, uh, Ed Burke, with extortion for trying to shake down a business that operates in his ward. Well, it turns out that... The charges against Burke uh, stemmed from them listening in on his phone, but they weren't listening in on his phone just to inquire about the shakedown. They were listening on in on his phone as part of a broader investigation that apparently is going to implicate a number of members of the city council, including a guy named Salise, Danny Salise, who wore a wire on Burke and wore a wire on other people, including... Uh, Speaker Mike Madigan. So the papers have been all full of reports about, uh, well, the, the Fed's listening in on Madigan. Why were they listening and what did they hear? And, of course, the the what they're investigating is that the members of the city council extort, uh, routinely extort money and favors and campaign contributions from people who, uh, private businesses that are doing businesses, doing business in their wards. In Chicago, the aldermen have a lot of control over what happens in their wards, and they can be obstructionists to businesses that want to do certain things. And sometimes the businesses just roll over and say, okay, what do I have to do to get your permission to proceed? And usually is pay me some money. And so Madigan has now been linked to that, although Madigan... There's nothing that indicates he's done it. Nothing that yet. indicates he's that he's broken the law. Let me put it. I wouldn't say Madigan has never done anything wrong. I would say <laughs> he hasn't broken, broken the, the law. law. I mean, Mike Madigan is a very, very smart guy, and he knows that he can make a whole lot of money and stay on the right side of the uh, yeah. of the jail cell uh, if he just skates along the line and lets his reputation speak for itself. So, but anyhow, he's he's been in the news lately because the feds listening in on Mike Madigan is really big news because mm. he's perhaps the most powerful politician in the state of Illinois. All right, uh, email from Robert says, Our pinning program used to not have any particular focus, but you've made it a two-trick pony, more politics and sports than anything else. I uh, just want you to know the draw of Wixie is not just country music, it's no politics. I would disagree with you on that, because we had the uh, vocal producer, uh, vocal artist director for Sesame Street on last Friday, U of I alum. We're going to talk taxes next week. we got some singers coming in. We talked to uh, 
Illinois Alliance with the Mayo Clinic yesterday. Uh, we talked about where to set your thermostat in the coldest weather the other day. There's been all kinds of things. So I just disagree with you on that. I guess everybody's But we are talking about politics we and are sports today. today so. Yeah, we are today. Yeah, that's right. And how tomorrow, those, and tomorrow those, we'll be talking about something else. How about those Cardinals? Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, let's go uh, back to the phones to uh, Stan. Good morning, Stan. Here's more politics from yeah, Stan. Here we go. Come on, Stan. Let us have it. All right. All right. Let's, let's start off with uh, some good news. And I want to thank you, Jim, for the kind words you spoke last time I was on the air at the same time you were. Oh, well, you're certainly uh, welcome. You always, you always stir things up, Stan. That's good. That's because I tell the truth, and the truth is not popular. <laughs> Let's, uh, tell the truth, Stan. The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. The most popular medical program in the country is, is uh, public health care whether that's Medicare or medical care for our uh, active duty military, those two programs are the most popular programs in the country. And the hoo-ha that the corporate media puts out about how expensive it's going to be to have Medicare for all, the reality is under our current system, over, and I forget the number of years, the cost of our current system, the medical care will cost $32 trillion. And if we had Medicare for all, the cost of Medicare for all is only $30 trillion. And the difference, that $2 trillion difference, is because of the one percenters skimming their money off the top and uh, putting it to us for people. <clears throat> That's one or two or three or 14 facts. And another fact is that we have the longest waiting lines for health care in the industrialized world in the United States. There are literally hundreds of thousands of people over the age of 55 that have lost their jobs for whatever reason that wait until 65 to get relatively minor things taken care of, like hernias, like um, cysts that they know they have. They wait until they can get the Cadillac of uh, health care called Medicare. All right, and we'll see what uh, Jim says. Okay, Stan, thank you. Well, Go I'll, ahead, your thoughts on that? I'll just let Stan's words... Uh, speak for themselves and you know he's made a lot of statements there which you know i mean i'll have the facts and figures in front of me to know you know how, how accurate they are i'll take him at his word i mean he, he's right if, he, if his point is that yeah there are a lot of people that are that don't have health insurance or don't have access to medical coverage who need it that is a legitimate problem however i think the solution maybe might be a little more complicated than just putting everybody on Medicare. By the way, does that include? I guess that would include the the one percenters. Are they going to be on Medicare? I guess they are now, right? Or they will be. Uh, you know, there's a lot of issues there that are that really gum up the works. A lot more complicated than just uh, <laughs> than than the slogan. I, think, I mean, the, there are a few things more complicated than maybe the Internal Revenue Code than than medical care in America. But I mean, that's a killer. 
All right, uh, Texter says when things are free, the lines are very, very long, and the wait is longer. Uh, hey, Brian, and we talked to him about this earlier, his thoughts about the uh, gentleman that was an expectant father talking about abortion under severe conditions. Uh, we kind of commented on that off the top of this hour. And uh, another texter says, sports and politics, what more do you need? <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. I'm with him. Well, I, we've, we've made a conscious effort to try not to overdo two of those. Those are two interests of mine, but certainly uh, we uh, cover a wide range of topics, I think, along the way. Uh, let's go to uh, Mike. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Good morning, Brian. Well, Stan should be in Washington. He's got all the answers, right? <laughs> well, I think he thinks he does. There you go. Hey, Jim, a quick question for you. I'm a digital subscriber. The, uh -oh. uh, app, the app for my uh, iPad works great with the uh, newspaper every day, but I have the News Gazette uh, website as my home page, and as I scan the articles, invariably, about every other day, it tells me I've reached my limit of articles, and I have to log in again and again and again. Why can't it recognize my computer, my sign-in on my browser, and keep me signed in? Well, i got to tell you, you've ex asked exactly the wrong guy to figure out your question. Okay. On, on uh, You know, all I can suggest is that you call our circulation department and talk to Bob, uh, who's the head guy, mm -hmm. and he can okay. tell you all about it. But I can't tell you anything about it. Yeah, Tara yeah. usually works up front, too, and she's pretty good about that, too. So she can probably explain the... Not being logged in, logged out, that sort of thing. Yeah. Hey, I'm sorry, but I just, I just, I just can't do you any good on that one. But I do encourage no you and applaud you for being a newspaper reader. You got it. <laughs> Take care. Okay. Thank bye -bye. you, Mike. Yep. Appreciate it. Three five six nine three nine. I hate seven. to acknowledge my ignorance, but when people start asking me tech questions, it's like I go instant into instant panic mode. All right. Back with more with Jim Dye. We've got Jeff. We've got Greg. We'll get to you, gentlemen, next, and more texts straight ahead. Any for your thoughts on News Talk 1400 DWS as we continue here with Jim Dye. And we've got the news coming up at the top of the hour. We're at 1048 minus one now. We're almost to zero here in downtown Champaign. Did you watch Toy Story at all? I have watched that? Toy Story. Yeah, apparently there's a Toy Story 4. Oh, really? Yeah, coming out. Tom Hanks finished voicing Woody for Toy Story 4. I've seen one and two. I haven't seen three. Yeah. Three's pretty intense. Yeah, you know, those... those first two that I saw were just, I thought, brilliantly done. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the cleverness of the writers and the actors and uh, really first rate. Talent is hard to beat. Yeah, movie comes out June 21st, but uh, Tom Hanks uh, tweeted, he said, we rode like the wind to infinity and beyond. <laughs> it was his note to well, the my character. daughter. My daughter was a big fan of Jessie, oh, the yeah. cowgirl. Oh, yeah. And so she actually had her room done up in Jessie paraphernalia, including, uh, including wallpaper, so... We've been through the whole Toy Story thing. <laughs> Ride like the wind, yeah. he says. And Jesse was pretty appealing. Yes. I like Jesse. Yep, yep. She was a great character, good foil for uh, Woody. Woody, absolutely. All right, and uh, Buzz, of course. Buzz, Buzz, Buzz. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hey, how you doing? Good, good sir. Good morning. Yeah. Hey, Jim, you had a great uh, point earlier that we need to focus on what the problem is. You know, um, <clears throat> Uh, this 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 idea of being uninsurable, um, uh, you know, isn't are we are we going to make sure that everybody has insurance, or are we going to make sure everybody has health care? 
because you, you could, uh, you cannot, I mean, by insurance by definition, uh, it doesn't work for people who are uninsurable. That's I mean, exactly right. Insurance is risk. That's insurance right. Insurance involves risk. Risk. So, um, so let's focus on getting people who can't get insurance, getting them health care. No, I, I think and that's then, exactly right. And the question is, how do you how do you pay for that, and how do you how do you actually implement it, and who's eligible, and that sort of thing. But I think I think you're right. It, it isn't insurance. If you say if your house is on fire and you say I, I want insurance, well, you know, there that there's not that's not what insurance is about. That's not what. And so exactly even right. talking about it being insurance is is really kind of a misnomer because what you really mean is for people who have no other alternatives, how are they going to get health care? Because you want you actually want to care for these people. I mean, I can't think of anybody who wants to deny someone who needs to see a doctor to be able to see that doctor. But to call it insurance when it's not really that is, I think that's one of those things that gets us going down the wrong path. Exactly, and you know, and really, what we need to focus: how do you get them coverage? How do you get them health care? And how how should they pay for a, a share of that? Uh, care uh, if, if it's going to be some private, some some public assistance. I, you, you've got to do it other than through insurance. Yeah, well, let that's people who are insurable be insurable. Yeah, that's that's you know kind of what Medicaid is based on right now. Uh, you know, one in four people in Illinois is on Medicaid, which and that's the statistic that I find absolutely astounding. But wow. that that is kind of an effort to address. That concern, however, I guess it doesn't really cover those that are not in that income category but still have the problem of access to health insurance. So it's, yeah. you know, but but I think you're right. It, it's yeah. just, uh, well, as you know, where it said, it, it's a complicated problem. <laughs> and, uh, and, and just one, one other thing off topic a little bit, but uh, just so everybody understands, Stan's opinions are not facts. All right. Well, thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. And someone uh, texted in, followed up on that, says, Stan is so wrong on most issues, it's laughable. And a text says, simply, capitalism and health care does not mix well. Um, And another text says, an interesting tidbit about the Chicago alderman, one of Burke's fellow aldermen, was outraged by the fact that one of their own was wearing a wire, not that Burke was an extortionist. Yeah, isn't that great? (laughs) That tells you whose side they're on. (laughs) What do you mean you're wearing a wire? It's not like, gee, I'm outraged by, I'm outraged by corruption. I'm outraged that the FBI is looking into corruption. <laughs> okay. Every now and then, our politicians in Illinois accidentally tell the truth and let you know where they're really coming from. <laughs> Sometimes slips out. Doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah. Uh, let's go. That would be a gaffe. You know, that's what the, they call us—a definition the, of a gaffe. Gap. Somebody yeah, accidentally telling the truth. Telling the truth. That's right. <laughs> uh, Joe. Good morning. Yes. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, I want to comment on this health care situation. I've said for a very long time, no American citizen should die for want of medical attention or medication. That being said, though, we spend the last uh, statistics I heard was $70,000 a year per illegal immigrant on illegal immigrants. And it's coming upon two years now. I lost a close friend of mine because he couldn't get the medical attention he needed. And he had a serious health issue 
he developed an infection in his teeth and he couldn't get his teeth taken care of and that infection led to a reduced immunization and he died because of it and uh, that's just wrong in this country everybody should have health care but the last thing i want to see is some government controlled socialist communist type health care system put in because i know where that'll lead to and won't be a lot of us that'll like it well, they all, the the uh, caller mentioned um, illegal immigration, and some people would say, well, you know, that's an apple when you're talking about an orange. Well, you know, government only has so much in terms of resources, and to the extent that you have to divert resources to deal and provide services to people who come in the country illegally, that's means you have less resources or fewer resources to use to people who are already citizens and may need services. So... You know, one of the problems is establishing priorities. What are you really for? And you you can't have everything. And the question is, and so choosing is difficult, as we've seen in the state of Illinois. Illinois is effectively bankrupt. Why is Illinois effectively bankrupt? Because our politicians have consistently refused to establish and stick with priorities. They want to be everything to everybody, and there's not enough money to go around. <clears throat> and it just doesn't work. And so you end up with a situation where you're hopelessly in debt. So the caller makes a good point about that. All right. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Yep, great to hear from you. A quick break. Back with some final thoughts, words of wisdom here. Maybe a Super Bowl prediction from uh, Jim Dye. Back after this. Ryan Barnhart with Jim Dye. A couple of minutes to go here, 1057. Uh, University of Illinois is holding a full day of classes today on this Thursday. Parkland College is closed. For any uh, closings you want to check out, you can visit uh, news-gazette.com or wdws.com. And we've got some more snow on the way. Uh, National Weather Service with a winter weather advisory for a portion of our listening area. One to four inches across the area. We'll make it a little slicker. Uh, Real quick, Super Bowl, what do you think? Well, I'm going to say something really controversial, Brian. I hope you... Don't get so mad you won't ever invite me back. But I'm actually a Patriots fan. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoy their consistent excellence and and i love to watch tom brady play whether he wins or whether he loses because he's so good it's like watching uh, peyton manning play quarterback for the colts i mean anybody who's that good deserves to be appreciated now in terms of who's going to win the thing actually i have very mixed emotions about that because i'm always been kind of a rams fan and i have a friend who's whose son is associated with the rams so that would be nice but i mostly just like to see a very competitive game so win or lose uh, I guess I have to go with the Patriots because I think the Patriots always find out ways to win, except they didn't win last year, and they didn't win a couple years before that, but most of the time they do. Anyhow, I just hope it's a good game. 5,000-plus journalists expected to cover Super Bowl 53. I don't know where they put them all. 4,900 of them are riding drivel, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, how many fresh stories can you get out of a thing where you got 5,000 journalists all, all tripping over themselves to get a scoop? Yeah, there's not much original. You know, actually, I, I usually hate the hype, and so I really haven't paid a lot of attention to anything over the last two weeks in terms of uh, television or written uh, stuff. I just know it's coming up, and I'm going to watch, and I hope it's a good game. Well, we all do. Thank you, Jim. My pleasure. See you again. Okay. See you Look again forward soon. to coming back and talking to Stan. Yeah, very good. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right, that's uh, Jim Dye with us here today on Penny for Your Thoughts in this second hour. We'll have some more open line time tomorrow. Heading into the uh, Super Bowl weekend. And we'll talk taxes next week. Got the uh, acapella group coming in. We'll tell you about that next week. Lots to come on Penny for Your Thoughts. Thanks for being with us. WDWS Champaign Urbana, 11 o'clock at the top.